United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining us now is Andrew Cheatham, a senior advisor for global policy, working in executive office of the United States Institute of Peace. He joins us now. Welcome, Andrew. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Laura? It's good to be here. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We are following closely what is happening with the release of hostages as well as Palestinian prisoners from Israel and um, the, the different rounds of names that are being given. Both sides seem to be open to the possibility of extending the truce, although Netanyahu says 10 more hostages must be released for every single day of a pause in the fighting. We're waiting to see how all of that will play out. But there has been also a, a lot of talk in terms of not only what diplomatic solutions there might be, but I often wonder about what the private sector and businesses, what role they might have in mitigating conflict in countries in which they work overseas. Absolutely, Laura. I mean, this is something we've been looking at closely at the Institute uh, for a while. And, you know, the, the the violence in the Middle East and in Ukraine is, is front and center in everybody's mind. But, you know, conflict and war is really on an uptick. Um, we've seen since the 2010s sort of a really drastic increase all over the world in, in war and violence, uh, really since the, the biggest, since the, the end of the Cold War. And at the same time, the world is becoming more and more, as they say, multipolar. You know, this this issue that you have just the U.S. out there as the main leading, you know, policeman working on uh, helping people in, in, in diplomatic ways and having a lot of strong influence changed with the rise of China, but also the rise of many, many other countries. And you see in the, the current talks how many players are involved in, in, in the, the truce process that you mentioned and, and also in Ukraine, but also all over the world, many, many players, including the private sector. And the private sector is increasingly a major part of these geopolitical discussions. Um, beyond what they've been doing, you know, just to, to make profit, you've seen also the focus on social well-being and, you know, what they call ESG, the environmental, social and governance aspects and corporate social responsibility. So what we're looking at at the Institute is how they, they can use their leverage, their weight to help in these peace processes, whether it's a temporary truce, but also more importantly, long-term peace processes. What can the private sector do to be a very positive influence for them, for the world in these, these societal reasons, but also for their own bottom line? So this is what we're looking at at the Institute. <clears throat> when you're looking at the influence they can exert, do they have true power in the face? I mean, obviously, it's going to be different for every country in the power dynamics at play. But what type of power are we talking about? Is it the influence over the people who in turn will you know, persuade and lobby their governments, or is it the direct through line to the government officials? Many, in many, many different ways. So, you know, transnational corporations uh, hold, you know, a tremendous sway with, with the countries, with many different countries, but of course, countries where they are based out of. So you have, you have big, huge, huge companies. Apple has just been evaluated at 3 trillion in wealth. You have companies uh, all over the world, Walmart and others who are bigger than 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 
big the big countries like Russia, Belgium, and Sweden. So just as a massive weight of of financial uh, influence, these big transnational companies can hold a lot of power. But then they work in through their supply chains and distribution with local actors. These local actors have power all the way down to or an influence all the way down to community levels in places of armed conflict. So. You know, in a long-term war like we've seen in Syria, Yemen, these very protracted wars, somehow, some way, you know, the the economy moves on, and some of these econ some of these war economies are, are are fueling the war, and that's bad. But some of the economies are just how people survive, how they get the basic goods, and how they get services. In these humanitarian instances, like we we're seeing recently. You know, it is the private sector that has the access to deliver food and, and get people in and out of places. That's for humanitarian reasons, yes, but it's also a little economy of itself. So this big ecosystem from the big, big players all the way down to the local uh, distributors is, is, is all in the private sector. And if they think through it, they can influence the big talks and local uh, ways of, of, of having peace and stability. There's a phrase that's often used, um, and it's neo-mercantilist policies. Can you describe a little bit of what that is? Sure. So this neo-mercantilist policy is is looking back at things in the 16th and 18th century where you had this colonial expansion, really, of, of big corporations, the first corporations like the the Dutch East India Company and, and, and these companies that went out pursuing uh, these colonial aspects with states, European countries. So you know, very, very, in very bad ways sometimes, you know, preying on populations and extracting wealth. Now, neo-mercantilism is looked at in the current, in the current uh, e economy as this partnership, again, of states and private sector corporations working together to pursue national interests. You really see this in, in the Chinese model, which is a non-market economy, and some other Asian models where but also in the United States, where we're looking to pr promote our national interests through our economic interest in countries. And th this is really on the rise with protectionist policies, raising the export uh, um, penalties for different countries and the trade wars we may see with China and others. So th this state involvement with the private sector for national interests is really what neo-mercantilism is. And that just adds to the relevance of the private sector in these geopolitical situations. We see that they have influence politically, militarily, from uh, socially and economically. What role is the UN in all of this? I mean, is that the coordinating entity to try to create the priority list for, or is it, is it every sort of corporation and, and private sector government relationship onto itself? Well, we would hope that the UN could be really uh, working with the private sector and states, you know, separately and together on various issues. You, you know, you see very, we have the COP28 coming up in the United Arab Emirates. So on the climate issue, you see that the UN has embraced the private sector, you know, wholeheartedly because they know that they cannot pursue um, real change on climate on the climate agenda without the buy-in of the private sector, but also in the more broadly the sustainable development goals, which are these twenty these goals for twenty thirty sustainable development around, around the world, which are kind of failing right now, frankly. But they 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 the UN knows member states and the UN as a body knows that they need to work with the private sector if they want to have 
development in countries all over the world in developing countries and developed countries that that helps uh go forward in a way that's good for the climate but also good for societies i mean we're looking at artificial intelligence the growth of the internet these these new technologies in ways we don't know uh, there, if there could be these unintended consequences that are bad for society. I mean, everybody's looking at these things. So we really need the private sector's buy-in, working with states and the regulatory bodies within states to see that we can minimize the, the ca possible catastrophic things that we might see on humanity. Really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. Andrew Cheatham, everyone, Senior Advisor for Global Policy, working in Executive Office of the United States Institute of Peace. Thank you so much. Laura, thank you so much for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.